Turn with me in the scripture to our text we've been looking at all week. John chapter 15 and verse 1. My, my. This, this next word that I'm looking at in my heart is, uh, it's, it's just as weighty as what we just got through talking about. It's glory to God. Jesus said, John 15, 1, I am the true vine and my father is the husband. I tell you, put that up please in the Young's literal translation. I'm no Greek or Hebrew scholar, not even remotely close, but I have done some study on my own and uh, I really like Young's literal translation because of its consistency. It'll translate the same word oftentimes consistently and that helps you because you'll see a lot of times the Lord was using the same word here, Spirit of God through Paul was using that same word and it just makes some things click for me. But anyway, I some of your modern translations are actually not translations. They are paraphrases. What do you mean by that? They call them translations. But these translators are telling you what they think he meant. I don't want you telling me what you thought he meant. I want to know what he said. I got the Holy Spirit. I'll do my own thinking. Come on, y'all with me? So I, now, the reason I say it is because... There's a lot of stuff in these that people even make doctrines on and preach, but it's not in the text, and it's inconsistent with other things. For instance, a number of the modern translations will say, try to do this, or do your best to do this. The Lord, the Father, never told you to try to do anything or to do your best. He told you to do it. Come on, are you with me? So you got to watch about things like that because that implies maybe you may not be able to do it. Anyway, you want to you want to get a hold of some things that you can trust and yeah. and know that it's saying what he said. In Young's literal, let's read it in, in this for now. He said, Jesus said, "I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman." Keep reading. Every branch in me not bearing fruit, he does take it away. And everyone bearing fruit, he does cleanse by pruning it, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean, and that's some of the same word as prune, idea, because of the word that I have spoken to you. So he, he does prune and cleanse us through his words. But of course, you'll have to accept them for them to do their work. Now, all of this passage is wonderful, and we spent some time on a lot of the later verses where he keeps talking about remain, and one the Youngs is really good about this. It translates it remain, 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 and you'll see it's like some 11 or 12 times, remain. So he's emphasizing, stay in me. Stay in me. And we talked about that. We need to stay hooked where he puts us. And stay in him. But tonight, let's look at this phrase right here. Just camp on this. 
Verse 2. Every branch. So who does this happen for? If you're born again, you're in the body and you're on the vine, this applies to you. Every branch in me, not bearing fruit, he does take it away. Every one bearing fruit, he does cleanse by pruning it, that it may bear more fruit. Now a lot of times people read this or hear something like this and they go, ooh, 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 pruning, that sounds bad, you know, pruning. If it's the Lord, it's not bad. What's the result? Bearing more fruit. You want that or not? Well, then you can't have that without this. Anybody want to bear more fruit? Then what you want (laughs) is some pruning. Yeah, you do. Any, Any gardeners in the house? Anybody with flower beds and gardens and yes. or even crops? I mean, you ever done any pruning yes. on your trees or your plants? Do, do you uh, you grab your pruning hooks or shears and laugh an evil laugh? Ha <laughs> 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 I'm gonna prune you because <laughs> you like to destroy things. <laughs> no. If you don't care about it, you don't do anything with it. Right? You let it go. If you care about your kids, you don't let them go. If you're a pastor, head of a ministry, if you care about your people, you don't just let them go. <laughs> so what do you do? Why do you prune that plant? Because you care about that plant. You want to get rid of anything that's hindering it. Or holding it back from reaching its full potential. Its full measure of growth. And beauty. And fruit bearing and productivity. The reason you're cleaning it. Trimming it. Working with it is because you obviously care about it. Does the Father care about us? That's why he does this. It's not a bad thing. The only thing is what he's cutting off is part of us. Mm. Mm. On the plant, isn't it part of that limb? It's part of that limb. Maybe it's been there. Maybe it's a big tree. It might have been there for 40 years. Some of that. That doesn't mean that it doesn't need to come off. Just because it's been there a long time. <laughs> but the first thing you got to do. To do it right. Is there has to be an assessment. You don't just start cutting. If it's a tree, the first thing you do is not start the chainsaw. (laughs) What do you do? There must be an assessment. We need to look at this, right? And see, this looks good. Yeah, this is healthy. Yeah, we got good blooms over here. But what's this over here? What is that? Not even any leaves on that. 
How long has that been that way? Are y'all with me? We're not cutting everything. We only want to take out the dead wood. I said we just want to take out the dead wood. You want to get rid of the dead wood? Reckon you got any dead wood? Oh, that was weak, man. That was, that was like... <laughs> Did you see this? Every branch. Every branch. Every branch. Every branch. No such thing. No such thing as a, a branch that never, through the course of its life and production cycles, never needs any trimming. No such thing. No such thing as a child who never needs any correction or discipline. No such thing. I've had people tell me, well, I, you know, I've never disciplined my child. Well, I, without seeing them, I know they're a mess. <laughs> oh, no, they're just so good they never needed it. No such thing. No such thing. Now, this, go, this goes hand in hand with Hebrews. 12 chapter. Let's, let's turn over there and look. Hebrews 12. You okay? You feeling all right? <laughs> Can you trust the Lord that he's not going to cut off the wrong thing? <laughs> How many can trust the Lord? You can trust the Lord? Because <laughs> see, if you, um, if you don't trust him, You'll holler, oh, get away from me. Get away from me with those shears. No, no, no. But if you trust him, you'll say, yeah, Lord, uh, what, whatever we need. I tell you, I'm not quite ready to go to Hebrews. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I believe I will. <laughs> In uh, Mark 9, 42 Mark 9.42 says, Whoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it's better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. Now man, this is extreme. Why is this so serious? A little one would be a young one. Young Christian, you know, in the beginning stages of their development and maturity. And if you, if they had faith in the Lord, and you do some things that causes them to stop believing, you are guilty of a very serious offense. It would have been better for you, instead of doing that and causing their faith to be robbed from them, it would have been better to hang a giant stone around your neck and throw you in the Atlantic and go kabloop than for you. Am I quoting him or not? Now, what does the word offense mean? This is uh, that's, you know, a King James word here, but that's what the, the connotation is. If you look up the words, it has to do with that which causes to stumble. And that which causes you to trip up. And of course that can lead to a fall. And it has to do, as you can see right here, it affects faith and believing. 
Do you remember the Lord said more than once, blessed is he who's not offended at me. And more than once he said, does this offend you? And on the occasion when he said one of these times, it was when all those people left him because he preached that message on eat my flesh and drink my blood. What does that mean? They, they, They walked with him no longer. They no longer trusted in what he was teaching and preaching. And there was no justification for them to stop believing in him. But that was their state that they became offended. One definition of this, when you get offended, like this is describing, you no longer trust one you should trust. You see this young one, little one stopped believing. And verse 43, if your hand offends you, Now let's look at that in light of the earlier verse. What does that mean if it offends you? If it causes you to stop believing and trusting in one that you should. If it gets in the way of you trusting and following him, what should you do? Are we still talking about pruning here? What what should you do? Cut it off. Better for you to enter life maimed than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. If your foot offends you, what should you do? Cut it off. It's better for you to enter halt to life than having two feet cast into hell and the fire that never shall be quenched. Cut it. If it gets in the way or hinders you from trusting him and going all the way with him, what needs to happen? Cut it off. Somebody say, cut it off. Now go to Hebrews. Thank you, Father. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. He said, wherefore, this, this actually flows from the 11th chapter of Hebrews, which is talking about faith, trusting God. And it says, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. These are faith witnesses. Witnesses that have trusted God and done great exploits through trusting God. Since we've got this cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every what? Weight. And the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience. The race that is set before us. Now this is the same idea. This is about dropping stuff. That's slowing you down. Dropping stuff. That's weighing you down. Losing stuff. That's getting in your way. Hindering you. Taking up resources. And not producing. What is dead weight? We use that term a lot. What's dead weight? It is weight that's not pulling itself. You ever heard the term pulling your own weight? Pulling your own weight. Dead weight. In aviation, weight is one of the biggest enemies there is. Why? Because whatever is on that plane has got to be lifted into the air. And the more weight is there, the bigger wing it takes. Well, that's more weight. 
Well, the bigger it is, the bigger motor it takes. That's more weight. Well, the bigger the motor is, the more fuel it burns. Guess what that is? <laughs> you see, it just compounds. It compounds. And man, the, uh, man, the airlines, they, they got people that weigh magazines. Yeah, they weigh the magazines. They, they weigh the sick bags. They're looking, why? Because every time that plane takes off and has, and it's not just one magazine, it's what, 80 magazines? It's 200 magazines? Can you see that? All this adds up, and, and that is, has to be lifted, and that costs fuel, and that costs money, and it slows your climb. So what's ideal? Only take what's contributing to the successful completion of this mission. Because anything else is dead weight. It's not contributing to getting us there. Not contributing. Well, in racing, he's describing a foot race. He said, let us lay aside every, how much? Every weight. Somebody say every weight, every weight. Lay aside what? Does this sound like some pruning? What are we getting rid of the dead wood? Now, I was watching some of the runners on some of the, it's the Olympics, Olympics competition, whatever it was recently. And oh man, their outfits are getting skimpier and skimpier. <laughs> Why? They don't want anything. I mean, not two extra ounces that they have to carry. Why? Because the difference between first place and second place is what? Hundredth of a second? or Right? I mean, so these minuscule, tiny differences between winning and second or third, you don't want any extra stuff. So you will not see an Olympic runner with some might needs. Might needs. But what are you talking about? You know, coming out to the starting block, kneeling that. You go, man, what's what's that? Oh, uh, I, I, that's my water bottle for the first part, and then I got my other water bottle for the second part. <laughs> what, what, what's that poking at your back? Oh, that's some energy bars in case I get hungry. What, what's that in your back? Oh, that's uh, some books of uh, how to run your best race. Uh, What are we talking about? Now you're laughing. But most people have a lot of baggage lugging around. Lugging around. This involvement, that involvement, this thing, that this obligation, that obligation. You've got to watch about just agreeing with everything. Trying not to hurt people's feelings. Oh, are you listening or not? Why? Because the enemy wants to loathe you. He want, and every involvement requires effort and energy. If you have to think about it, if you have to get ready for it, if you have to travel for it, come here, dress and 
Get back everything. And so the enemy wants to load you like a swayback mule. He wants to load you until your belly is dragging the ground. And you're, you're thinking, well, I, and, and this is why you're always tired. Always tired. Why? Because nothing ever stops. It, it, as soon as you get through this, it's the other. As soon as you get through this, it's the other. And it never stops. And it's all day. And it's all night. And there's this. And then there's that. And then there's this. And there's that. But who loaded you? Who loaded you? Is all that from the Lord? You know, Jesus said something. Come learn about me. What did he say? My yoke is tough. And my load is, is heavy load. Wide load. Heavy load. Now, now you're laughing, but how, how many ministers will try to tell you how hard the ministry is? How, how tough it is? How many things are you having to take care of all the time? The Lord said, light and easy. So if what you got is heavy and hard, you didn't get it from the Lord. You didn't get it from Him. Because if it was from Him, it is not going to impede your race. The only thing He gave you carries its own weight. There is zero dead weight in it. Everything he gives you is helping you to impel you and propel you. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it is, I mean, forget all these newest fabrics that they've come out with lately. This God's fabrics, you talking about feather light? Don't even know you got it on. You have to check, make sure you're dressed. Yeah, yeah, I got it on. Sure feels good. Somebody say, light, light. and easy. easy. Come on, say again. Light, light. And, easy. and easy. Is that true or not? Did he say, my, my yoke my, is easy? My, my burden or my load is light. Did he say that or not? Yes, he did. Then if you feel all loaded down and all burdened down and all heavy, is that okay? Did you get that from the Lord? No. Now, one of the reason I know about this is because in the early days of the ministry, I let the enemy load me and thought it was the Lord. I thought if you're a minister, you're a servant of the people, you're supposed to do anything and everything basically that people ask you to do. If they, they want you to counsel, you counsel. If it's half a day, you half a day. If they want you to visit everybody that they have on the list, you visit everybody. If they, whatever they want you to do, you know, basically you do it. And man, after not too many months of that, I, I found myself, I had sat and, and, and supposed to have been counseling with a guy, but all he did was talk about himself for an hour and a half and, and didn't want to hear a thing I had to say. And, and then 15 minutes, I'm supposed to go speak at a place. And I realized, I'm not ready. I'm worn out. I'm tired. And I, I realized, something's not right about this. And the Spirit of God quickened to me, the enemy is stealing from you. And you're letting it happen. Why? Because all of these burdens and these loads weren't from him. Said out loud, lay aside, lay aside. 
Every weight. Every weight. And of course sin, that'll restrict you and hinder you. But a lot of things are not sin. You're not violating light. But yet you don't need them in your life. Because they weigh you down. They slow you down. They wear you down. There's a whole lot of stuff you don't have to do. There's a whole lot of things we can eliminate. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We're looking for the dead wood. We're looking for the dead weight. Are you serious about this or not? Then say it out loud, Father God. Reveal to me the dead weight and the dead wood. Every weight that hinders everything you didn't tell us to do, didn't tell us to be a part of, help us to identify it and grace us to get it fixed. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now please go to Matthew 25. Laying a foundation. Working on a building. <laughs> Going to get my reward. Matthew 25. Is the account. What we call the parable. Of the, uh, the talents. And. Uh, it describes how things are going with us from the Lord's perspective and how they will go. This is not just some, some fairy tale now. This, is, this is applies to every one of us. In 25, verse 14, the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered to them his goods. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several or individual ability, and then straightway took his journey. That phrase tells you why the guy who got five got five, and why the guy that got one didn't get five. Why? Because the Lord knew their individual ability. And he's not going to hold you accountable for five if he gave you two. Is God fair? Does he do everything equally? No, he doesn't. That wouldn't be fair. <laughs> what I mean by equal portion. Does he divide everything out equally to people? Equal portion. Equal isn't fair. I know that sounds strange to your ears. But he knows the capacities he made you with. He knows the graces. So he's not going to give you five if it overloads you. He distributes each according to his individual ability. Keep going. He that received the five went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. He doubled them. Likewise, he that received two, he also gained another two. He doubled his. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. 
After a long time, the Lord of those servants comes and reckons with them. Please endeavor not to just read this as a story. This is your future. This is my future. There's coming a time, the Bible says, every man will give account of himself. With what? What we did with what he gave us. The time, the talents, the treasure, the opportunities. And you won't be standing up there with your spouse. Or your mama or daddy. And you can't point to anybody. It'll be what you did with what you had. And that's what this is portrayed here now. The next one, he says, uh, he that received the five talents came and brought the other five talents. He said, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Behold, I've gained beside them five talents more. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. Why does he keep repeating that? Over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of your Lord. Man, this is a wonderful statement. Does anybody in here besides me want to hear? Come on, do you have a genuine desire? Do you want to hear? This is happening. Whether you think so or not, whether you want it to or not, there's coming a time soon and very soon you're going to give an account. Of your life and what you did. Not to find out if you're saved or not. No. But to see whether whether and how you're rewarded or not. This is not our salvation. Our righteousness is not based on what we do. Our reward is based on what we do down here in this life. Our reward is, and the reward is not the same for everybody at all. Depends on what we did in this life. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. I'm so glad he said, you've been faithful over a few things. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't require everything. No. Come on, can you see that? Amen. So that means maybe you could miss a few. <laughs> but as long as you got a few, he didn't say everything. He said, you've been faithful over a few things. You have. So now I'm going to make you ruler over many things. You know, he's a good daddy. He's a good daddy. He's not going to focus on the few things we didn't get. He's going to bless us for the things we did. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And verse, uh, he said, enter to the joy of your Lord. Verse 22, the man that got two talents, he came. He said, Lord, uh, you delivered to me two talents. Now, why would he say it like that? He's not comparing himself with the previous guy. Why? Because he didn't get five. He got two. And he said, you delivered to me two. And look, I gained two other talents beside them. 
And the Lord told him exactly what he told the guy that has ten now. He had four. The exact same phraseology. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. To the word exactly the same. Why? The Lord doesn't reward amounts or size. He rewards faithfulness. Faithfulness. Not size. Faithfulness. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Then, the one that had received the one talent, he came. And he said, Lord, I knew that you're a hard man. Oh, this is so significant. You're a hard man. You reap where you didn't sow. Is that true? Yes and no. Now, he will give you something to get started with, and he will give you seed to sow, but he expects you to go beyond that. And you to do something with it. You to do some sowing. And multiplication. He didn't do it all. He gave you what to start with. But he wants to see you produce something. Is this in agreement with John 15? He's looking for fruit. And this is the thing. That a whole lot of folks. Don't seem to have in our generation. A lot of people. Their idea of Christianity. Is just that God is an add on. To their life. And they leave the impression that God expects basically nothing of you. But that maybe you'll say, I believe in you, Lord. And then that's pretty much it. But it's not true. He expects a return on his investment. He's looking for fruit. He's looking for it. He wants it. If you're producing some, what's he going to do? He wants to see some more. And this guy says, you hard. And he's wrong. But this is about his assessment of the husbandman's character. And because of his lack of faith in the husbandman's character, he didn't even try. And that the Lord won't tolerate. He won't tolerate that. Why? Because there's no excuse for that. Because that's not just about you had a hard time. That's about you judging him mean and unreasonable and hard. It's not just you had a challenge dealing with your talents and stuff that were given to you. You don't trust him. And that's serious business. That's right. I had the privilege of working with Brother Kenneth Hagin, Sr., for a number of years, 20 years or so. And I had the privilege of working with him directly in healing school and prayer school. And in the earliest days, you know, I, I led some singing, and, and there are times I'd be in the speaker's room with him before the service. And there are times that myself and 
Patsy uh, Beerman Caminetti now, and, and sometimes uh, uh, David Horton, and sometimes different ones of us would be there. And more than once, he'd just seemingly out of the blue, the service is about, you know, 15 minutes or something, he'd start telling us this story. It seemed like it had no reference to anything <laughs> that was going on before or after, but he'd tell us this story. So we'd get quiet and show respect and listen. It didn't take too long to tell it, but then he'd get through telling it, and he'd look at us and say, well, about time to start, y'all go out and crank it up good. <laughs> so we'd go and do the music, and, and you know, uh, wouldn't hear anything else about that for months or maybe even a year, but then you'd be in there another day, and he'd start telling you the same story. Same story, same way. And uh, not give you any comments about it or anything. Tell the story and then say, well, about time to start the service. Y'all go in there and crank it up good. And uh, I'll be honest, in the first couple of times, I just scratched my head and think, wow, what, what was that about? What did that mean? You want to hear the story? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just started off telling. He said, there was in the community... A man who was a wealthy man. And he was. The people would go to him. To take loans out. On their buildings or their farms. And I knew exactly what he's talking about. Because in our community in the south. And this was back in the. This would have been back in the 50's and 40's. And even before I was born. Uh, I could call his name. There was a man in the community. And people. A lot of the folks in there. They didn't go to the bank. A lot of them couldn't have got a loan from the bank. But they'd go to Mr. So-and-so, and they'd sit down and talk, and if he decided that you were a good risk or investment, he would loan you the money at an interest rate for a piece of land or build a house or whatever. So I, I, that, I had firsthand knowledge of that. My granddad borrowed money from this man in our community to buy an 80-acre piece of land, which is still in our family. And uh, so anyway, he said uh, there was a man who had borrowed money from this wealthy man for his farm mm -hmm. and had had this farm for some time, uh, a few years. And then also a church borrowed money from this man and built a building and they had a church. Mm -hmm. And in the process of time, both of them got to where they couldn't pay. They couldn't make their payments. And uh, the man uh, talked to the people that owned the church and the pastor. He said, uh, what's your plans about paying me? And they said, well, we, we, we can't. We're sorry. But, you know, we're a church. And, and we, we, you know, the community needs the church. And, and he said, well, um, I'm going to have to foreclose on you. And they said, well, no, you wouldn't foreclose on the church. He said, oh, yeah, I will. And they said, well, not, not the church. They said, what, what would you do with the building anyway? He said, I don't know. I'll use it for a hay barn if I want to. But uh, I will. And uh, after a little bit, he did. Foreclosed on it. Took the church. And they had to leave. The other situation, the man with the farm, there was drought in the area. And that's one of the reasons why both of them got in arrears. Hard times in the community. Drought. And he didn't make a crop. So he paid, he was able to pay the interest on the loan that first year. 
Second year, another drought. He couldn't even pay the interest. Third year, another drought. He hadn't made payments, interest, anything for months and months and months. But every day, he'd get up, get dressed, go to work, plow the field, whitewash the fences, clear the fence row, repair the roof, when really technically he lost it months ago. But every day, he worked all day long. And one day, Mr. Wealthy Man drove out to the house, asked him how he's doing. He said, I'm, I'm fine, you know, uh, thank you for letting me stay here. I know I'm, I'm in arrears. He said, uh, that's all right. Here's the deed to this place. You own it now, free and clear. Mm-hmm. And that's when he'd say, all right, service is about to start. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all go in there and, um, and crank it up good. What's the thing with that story? We'll read the rest of this. Read the rest of this. What did it say? The man said, uh, I knew you were a hard man. Why is he calling him a hard man? Because he expected something out of him. That's it. He gave him the resource to do something with. It's not like he wasn't willing to help him. But this man called, in in Luke, I believe it is, it says he called him austere, which means stern. You're hard. We're living in a generation where people right and left Think if you require anything of them. You're hard. People think. There's there's people in the country. Not just three or four. They think they're owed. A regular check. Without working. Just because they're them. This is not God though. I said this is not God. What did he do with this individual? He said, you're hard. I know you're hard. And so I got scared. And and I went and hid it. I was afraid. Because I know you expect a return. Is that unreasonable? I'm talking about the Lord. You know how the story goes. Is it unreasonable for him to expect something of you? And here's the thing why it can't be unreasonable. He knows what you're capable of. No matter what you say or don't say, you may have your mom and daddy fooled, your spouse fooled, your boss fooled, but you ain't got God fooled. He knows what you can do if you would. And he expects you to do what you can do and won't accept any excuse for not doing it. Now he'll forgive you if you'll repent. But here's what he won't tolerate. Not even trying. Not even trying because that proves you don't trust him. And you're questioning his goodness. Did you hear that? You're hard. What's he said? You're mean. You're unreasonable. You're always 
asking, listen if you've ever heard this kind of language. I can never do enough. <laughs> Nothing I do is right. You ever heard this before? Yes, sir. These are devil-inspired thoughts by people who refuse to try to do better. I can't do anything right. Nothing I ever do is good enough for you, is it? Is it? Is it? That ain't going to work with God at the end. It's not going to work with him. It doesn't mean you have to get everything perfect. You just got to get a few things. Come on, y'all. Just, but in order to do that, you got to at least try. Why was Brother Hagin telling us about that? Because those guys with the church, they're acting like it's owed to them because they're a church. Not even trying. This other man... He knows you don't owe me anything. I lost it months ago. But I ain't quitting. Come on, are y'all with me? I ain't quitting. I'm going to do what I can do as long as I can do it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. What did that show? It showed his respect for the wealthy man. That loaned him the money. Oh, can you see this or not? It showed he doesn't he doesn't believe he's a mean man. He's a bad man. He's a hard man. He believes he's a good man. And he'll do whatever's right by me. But I'm gonna give it my all. We we go to flight training on a regular basis. One of the most famous test pilots, fighter pilots, is a man named Bob Hoover. He's passed on now, but amazing, amazing pilot, was in so many crashes that he walked away from. And I mean, Mach 2 fighter jets, I mean, some serious stuff. And he said this, he said, no matter if you're crashing, fly it all the way to the ground. (laughs) What's he say? Never stop flying the airplane. Even if the wing falls off, the engine quit, what are you doing? I'm going to fly this thing. Come on, y'all with me. I'm going to fly it. (laughs) And he walked away from things you just, I I read his autobiography. It's astounding what the man walked away from. Amazing. Why? Why would you keep on when everything, I mean, this guy's a brilliant guy, engineer. He knows. When this happens, you're dead. <laughs> but he wouldn't accept it. No. He's like, no, I'm going to fly you anyway. <laughs> Why? Because you, you, you're saying, I, I could live. I could come out of Come on, can you see this? I could come out of this. But to say, it's over. That's it. Well, you are dead now. And we look at this as just a good positive thing or a negative thing. God looks at it as the main thing. He requires this. Without this, it is impossible to please him at all. So 
People try to frame this in different ways to say, poor guy, he got scared, and, and the boss man intimidated him. And you know, beside that, he was a micromanager. Don't you hate that? Oh. And the worst thing of all, he actually expected him to produce. <laughs> This is your God. People write all kind of dumb stuff, religious ideas about God. But how many understand this is God? This is Him. This is how He thinks. This is how He functions. This is how He works with us. And we don't need to try to get Him to change. He's not going to change. We need to adapt to Him. Do it His way. It's the best way. It's the right way. Don't you like that? Even if the plane's crashing, yes, sir. what do you do? Fly. You fly it. Fly. <laughs> you fly that dude. <laughs> well, why, why didn't you quit? I'm believing for a miracle here, man. I'm, I'm believing for something to happen here. And that man, that story that Brother Hagin told us, I, you know, the older I get, the more I appreciate it. What's he saying? Because that, does that sound hard? You kicked the church people out? Yeah. That's what he told them. They said, oh, you won't, you won't kick the church out. He said, oh, yes, I will. They said, well, what, what business you got, you know, for the church building? He said, well, that's my business. If I want to make a hay barn out of it, I will. And they said, oh, well, you know, you can't do that. He did. Is that fair? Yes. A lot of folks don't like that. They're like, Listen, honey child, nobody owes you anything because you're you. No, they don't. I know we live in the entitlement generation, but they're messed up in their thinking. This is wrong. This is not godly. It's because people are so far from the Bible. No. No, you don't know everything. You've made plenty of mistakes. You could make some more. Yeah, that's right. But it shouldn't be because your heart is unwilling that's right. to try. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all with me, friends? Yes, that your heart's unwilling to give it what you got. And if you need to be corrected, you get up and you do it again. And if you need to be corrected, you get up and you do it again. You just keep flying that plane. Keep reading. He said, I was afraid. He said, I knew you're a hard man. God's not a hard, mean man. He's a good father. You reap where you don't sow. You gather where you happen strong. Yeah, but he gave you the means to do it. Now, now let's just stop right here. Could this man have done something different? Certainly. Could he have done what the guy with two did? Sure. Could he have done what the guy with five did? So his total would have been two. But if he'd have come to the Lord and said, Lord, you gave me one, and I worked with it, and here's another one. What would the Lord told him? Exactly. Exactly. What he told the guy with five and ten. You know he would have because he only gave him one. And he blesses and rewards not the number, not the numeric, not the size, but he'd have said, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. You took that one, 
And you doubled it. Just like these others did. You've been faithful over two things. (laughs) Well, actually, it was just one. It turned it into two. But few things. Now, you you can be ruler over many things. Come on. Enter into the, is that a good God or is that a good God? He's not comparing you with the guy that has ten. No comparison at all. No competition at all. But just looking for you to give him what you got. Not throw up your hands talking about how mean people are. How nobody helps you. Thinking people owe you something. This is how you go down. And what did the Lord say? He said, you wicked and slothful. Slothful means lazy servant. So why why did the guy actually do it? wasn't just because he was afraid. He's lazy. You knew. He says, here, here it gives you insight into another thing Jesus said, by your words you'll be justified. By your words you'll be judged. Here the master quotes his words back to him and says, you say you know I expected you to produce. You'll be judged out of your own mouth. Because you knew. If you didn't know, that's another deal. Sin is violation of light. He knew something was expected of him. Maybe they lived in the same community. Maybe he saw the other guys getting up in the morning and working on theirs. But he just laid up and talked about the master, posted stuff online. About how hard and mean he is. I know, I know he's. I know he's going to expect something of me. Well, yeah. What's wrong with that? Right. <laughs> he's mean. He's hard. Don't y'all feel sorry for me? Did the Lord feel sorry for him? Did the Lord look at him and go, "Bless your heart"? No. You were scared, were you? Oh, baby. Come give me a hug. You were scared. It's okay. You don't, you don't need to do anything. That's people's goofed up idea of good. That's not fair. That's not right. And then you're going to turn around and give him the same reward that the other two got? That's not fair. That's not fair. He goes on to say, verse 27, you, he said, I'm going to you you knew you ought to have put my money to the exchangers and then at my coming I could have received my own with interest he said okay so you want to be lazy you don't want to leave the house you could have just deposited it so that it get a little bit of interest come on can you see the heart of the Lord do something show me you're willing to try something But don't lay up there and call me mean and not even make any kind of effort. What's the next thing he says? He said, take that talent away from him and give it to the one that has ten. Now, if you read the other account of this, the crowd at this point spoke up and they said, Lord, he's already got (laughs) ten. Have you read that? (laughs) He said, Lord, he's already got 10. 
And uh, he said, for to everyone that has, has, will be given, and he'll have abundance. Why do some people just keep getting more and more and more? It don't seem fair. It don't seem fair. It is fair. It's not equal, but it's fair. Why? Because he gives it to people that will do something with it. And he said, uh, for to everyone that has will be given, and he'll have abundance. From him that has not will be taken away even what he has. This guy didn't come out good at all. Right? You can't make excuses with the Lord because he won't buy you junk. He knows your heart. You can't be dishonest with him and cry and get him to feel sorry for you when you're lying and making up stuff like saying you're scared when you're just lazy. Calling him mean. When you, if you just open your eyes and look around, he ain't being mean with anybody. He's the one who gave you your talent to start with. Yeah. Yeah. Get you started. Yeah. That's good. You know he's planning on helping you with it. Yeah. Or he wouldn't have given it to you to start with. But now we know why the Lord didn't give him five. He didn't do anything with the one he had. Mama. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Oh, praise God. Just close your eyes for a moment. Let's just, let's let this move in our heart for just a little bit. Go ahead and play something there. Father, we worship you. We praise you. Just uh, let me lead you in a prayer. The Lord's looking for greater fruitfulness. And he will remove things that are not producing. We should follow his example and do the same thing with ourselves and with anything that's under our leadership or control. Said out loud, Father God, Father God, you are the heart knower. You know everything about me from beginning to end. There's not a thought that comes through my mind. There's not a word that comes out of my mouth. You know it from beginning to end. You are a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart and nothing can be hid from you. All things are open and naked uncovered before your eyes. So in honesty I approach you and I ask you reveal to me that which is unprofitable in my life. Reveal to me all that is dead wood, dead weight, unprofitable, unproductive. If you've already shown me, please show me again and confirm it and show me how to allow you 
to remove it and to prune it and to cleanse it and enable me to cleanse myself from any defilement and any hindrance and every weight that besets. Praise God. Stand on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.